Welcome to the What's What Weekly Wrap-Up. Today's show focuses exclusively on this week's features from the WFUV Newsroom. I'm Christina Lulich. And I'm David Escobar. And here are this week's feature stories. A scientific paper caused an online panic earlier this year when it predicted a massive solar storm could knock out access to the internet in the near future. WFUV's Caroline Ely sits down with Dr. Christopher Aubin, who explains the science behind solar storms and why we shouldn't lose sleep over an internet apocalypse. Imagine, what would a day look like without the internet? A week? Or even a month? For many of us nowadays, it's hard to imagine an hour without TikTok, Instagram, or even being able to chat with our friends. But what about the socioeconomic impacts? In this day and age, the World Wide Web is exactly that, a form of interconnectedness in which banking, security systems, and even entire countries are dependent upon. So when the rumor of solar flares knocking out the internet became a sensation on the internet, naturally panic ensued. But... Should we be worried, or is this a whole bunch of science fiction? The, the quick answer is no. And, and I, I say that, but, but I do want to qualify because there are a lot of things to worry about. Should you be worried about getting hit by a bus when you cross the street here in the Bronx? Yes. Does that stop you from crossing the street? No. That was Dr. Christopher Aubin, a theoretical physicist who specializes in high-energy physics or particle physics. And while he says the concept might be difficult to wrap your head around, Dr. Aubin says solar storms could pose a potential threat to internet infrastructure. While solar storms occur often and are usually imperceptible to the human eye, the sun is predicted to reach its solar maximum in the next two years. An uber-powerful storm could lead to an internet apocalypse. And we know this from experience. The last super solar storm was in 1859. You think about it at first, and you're thinking, 1859, nothing happened back then. Or we didn't have enough activity back then, or electronics back then, but there were telegraphs. Yeah, so now, I I don't know how long it would be out, but it it would definitely affect the internet and basically anything that's electronic. So safety systems could be harmed. There would probably be power outages, and there might be large-scale power outages. But I think there's like a 4% chance in any given year that might happen. Now, almost 200 years later, technology and telecommunications impact almost every minute of our modern day lives. So the chaos that could unfold from a mass telecommunication outage is a little bit scary and seems to be far less science fiction-y than we might think. But Dr. Aubin does remind us of the Y2K example. Back in the 1990s, when the whole worry was that the codes being used in the computers were so old that they couldn't handle the switch to the year 2000. It was for many, many years, people panicking, worrying, people were stocking up on food, freaking out, and then nothing happened. We might have to live a few days without the internet. That is traumatizing, yes, but probably nothing to lose sleep over. Now, we would hate to act as the boy who cried wolf in a sense, but typically solar storms have no bigger impact than any major weather event on Earth. I remember when I was young, um, back in Maine, we had this great ice storm that lasted a couple weeks and two thirds of the state of Maine lost power for over a week. And that was debilitating, Uh, but people managed, they survived, they got through it. The hard part in this case with that 
would be that it's a global event. And so it would definitely be a harder thing to, to bounce back from. Dr. Aubin also reminds us not to lose sleep over the inevitable. But he reminds us in unprecedented situations like this, it's super important to get our news from trusted sources and to be wary of clickbait. Click on the link, even if it is clickbait, because a lot or, and, or look at a similar topic from a more reputable source. In this case, for example, space.com is a great source because it actually has scientists who are editing these articles. They'll use the term Internet apocalypse, but they'll describe things in a way that is not nearly as earth ending as as it sounds. Um, and so sadly, the the answer is ultimately education, right? Being able to read an article and sort of say like, oh, I took my astronomy class when I was a freshman and I don't really remember much from it, but I remember enough to realize that this seems a little wonky when I look at it. And then you know, try to find the sources that are not the clickbait sources, you know, things like the New York Times, NPR, stuff like that. But ultimately, the best place to go for updates is straight to the experts. And while NASA is predicting significant solar flares by 2025, they say there's no reason to believe in the online misinformation over an internet apocalypse, at least not quite yet. With WFUV News, I'm Caroline Ely. That was WFUV's Caroline Ely debunking the so-called internet apocalypse with theoretical physicist Dr. Christopher Aubin. The Fordham professor specializes in high-energy physics. Through the rest of the Halloween season, visitors to the Bronx Zoo can attend an after-hours show to see animal-carved jack-o'-lanterns and glow-in-the-dark pumpkins. WFUV's Grace Galbraith takes us to the zoo for some Halloween fun. Pumpkin Nights provides a great place for kids and adults who are looking to get in the Halloween spirit. Colorado native Taylor Martinez traveled here with friends and family. Uh, we're visiting some family in the area, and we have a couple of kids with us. So yeah, I wanted to come and check out some spooky Halloween things. Yeah. And yeah, I haven't been in the city since I was young, so come to Bronx Zoo. Kate Thomas, who traveled from her hometown in Orlando, Florida, says the event is a great place for kids to have some pre-Halloween fun. I think pumpkin night, it's really cool because it's like combining the things you just love about the zoo, but then adding that like festive pumpkin and Halloween aura. The zoo holds a number of festive games, including Halloween-themed trivia, jumbo jenga, and pumpkin-shaped cornhole games. And it's also really fun just to see places you don't usually get to see at night, so you kind of get like a different vibe and feel, and it's fun for the kids to run around and feel like they're breaking the rules being here after dark and all of those things. So we really enjoy that, and also just like seeing people having fun is also a great time. Children are especially excited to get the chance to wear their Halloween costumes a few weeks early. Yeah, I'm a ballerina. A military soldier. Pikachu. There is also plenty of music and food trucks to fill you up when you are finished dancing. Keenan Mitchell says it's a nice chance for him and his infant daughter to enjoy some educational fun. Well, what's great is, um, you know, especially as we approach the winter, this is something to bring the, the baby to outside and it, you know, gives her some uh, exposure to cool colors and there's some great music going on in there and cool sound effects. Pumpkin Nights is open for a few more nights this year, so you have until October 29th to grab your tickets. For WFUV News, I'm Grace Galbraith. That was WFUV's Grace Galbraith at the Bronx Zoo's Pumpkin Nights. You can find more information about the event at bronxzoo.com.
that's it from us. But you can check out the What's What weekly wrap-up every week for more features exclusively from the WFUV Newsroom. And make sure to check out the WFUV What's What daily podcast every weekday at 3 for the latest local news and feature stories from FUV. And as always, you can find out more at WFUVnews.org. I'm Christina Lulich. And I'm David Escobar. And that's What's What.